The Tom Woods Show, episode 1294. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, if you've ever thought about creating and selling your own online course, well, remember your host here has a teensy-weensy bit of experience creating online courses. So I've actually put together some resources for you, a free report, plus a step-by-step video training series walking you through everything you need to do. Doesn't cost you a thing. Pick it all up at tomwoods.com slash makecourses. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. Jordan Page is with me today once again. Jordan Page is really the musician of the Ron Paul Revolution. If you were involved in the 2008 or 2012 campaigns at all and you attended any of the major events, chances are you met or listen to Jordan Page. I don't remember exactly when we first met. We definitely were at the Revolution March together in 2008 because I remember in the taxi on the way to the airport, Jordan and his wife were sitting in the back seat and she was expecting, I think they were expecting their first child at that time. They now have seven. But anyway, the two of us have been at many events together and I'm always delighted to have a chance to talk to him. Jordan has just released a new song and I'm gonna let him tell you about it. You can follow Jordan, find out more about him over at jordanpagemusic.com. Jordan, welcome back. Thanks for having me back on, Tom. Well, how could I not? You have a new song, and it's not just any old song. It's a song of political significance. It's a song, the revenue from which you are splitting with another party. So I'm going to let you tell the story. This is a an episode in American history, or just very recent history, just a couple of years ago, that I'm sure almost everybody listening will recall. But with most people, they've gone on and forgotten all about it, but you have not. And I'd like you to tell us in as much detail as you care to share exactly who is the song is about and what were the circumstances. Absolutely, buddy. So this new song is called The Ballad of Lavoie Finnicum. A Cowboys Stand for Freedom. And I wrote this January the 26th, 2016. Uh, I was in the middle of a campaign to promote my song, Arm Yourselves, which is a, a Second Amendment anthem that uh, Oath Keepers had picked up as their national theme song. And right in the middle of all of, all of this, all the interviews and whatnot, we get word that my buddy Ammon Bundy, who people would recall from the Bunkerville standoff, in Nevada from 2014, Ammon and his brother Ryan and several others had gone up to Oregon to protest the abuse and mistreatment and wrongful imprisonment of a ranching family from Harney County in Oregon. The family that was in Oregon was the Hammonds, and the Hammonds had been targeted by the Bureau of Land Management, which essentially, if, if one really is honest and, and examines the, the nature of a situation, examining the Bureau of Land Management, they really are just a front for a criminal enterprise. And they really committed some heinous acts of domestic terrorism against this family and against many families all, all throughout the West. You know, Federal land is uh, is kind of an oxymoron. You know, the federal government's not allowed to really own any land except for the ten miles square uh, of, of Washington D.C. and and just parcels for needful built needful buildings and and armories and things like that. But they're not allowed to own massive amounts of land. And and right right now, 
the, the vast majority of the Western United States is, is under federal control. It's, it's very sad that we've allowed this to happen. And so the Bureau of Land Management has claimed jurisdiction over so many, uh, so many acres, I mean, just millions of acres of land. And they had been terrorizing this family for, for about 10 years. The Hammonds had spent about a million dollars in uh, legal fees, fighting the BLM in court. And in the end, Bureau of Land Management agents had threatened the, the family. They had, you know, they threatened their lives. They had killed their cattle and they had uh, set fire to their land in an attempt to burn down their home. And this is all easily re- re- researchable. And so Dwight and Stephen Hammond, the father and son, uh, went out to light a backfire, which is a, a tactic used in, in ranching where if there is a, a wildfire spreading, you can light a certain type of fire to, to to stop the encroaching fire from coming in. And they lit a backfire to stop them from burning down their home. And for that, because it was close to federal land, quote unquote, uh, they were charged with domestic terrorism and they were given mandatory minimum sentences of five years each in federal prison. Okay. So this was a gross, gross injustice. And it's important to note that President Trump pardoned Stephen and Dwight Hammond earlier this year in 2018. So they did serve about two years. And but they were sent to a Los Angeles maximum security prison. These two, you know, Christian farmers from from Oregon of all places uh, were, were were thrust into a, a maximum security federal prison in Los Angeles. So you know, you can let your imagination run there. When we believe that was that was a punishment for. Uh, what happened next? And so, Ammon Bundy uh, was a big supporter of of the Hammonds, and Lavoy Finicum uh, was as well. Lavoy was a uh, Arizona rancher, cattle rancher. He's a father of eleven children and a and a foster father who had raised over fifty kids through through being a foster dad and teaching them uh, ranching and teaching them life skills and just a really wonderful salt of the earth kind of guy. Very intelligent, very educated on our country's history and on the Constitution. Really a constitutional scholar. And he um, he supported the Hammonds as well. So a group of folks went up to Oregon, and they peacefully occupied a empty government building, which was the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. And this was the administrative staging point of all of the BLM's activities in that region, in that county. So Ammon and Ryan and and Lavoie and and, and this this group of folks. Uh, went up there. It was an empty building. There was no one there. They and they they peacefully occupied it, and they were they had access to the records there, and they were working to build a case, a legal case against the BLM to prove what they were up to. And in, in the fervor of all this, the media took it, and, and it became an international story. And Lavoy ended up becoming more or less the spokesman for it, even though Ammon was universally recognized as the leader uh, and, and the, the ringleader of it. Uh, Lavoie was very much the spokesman, and he was very comfortable on camera speaking about the Constitution, speaking about the abuses of the federal government. He was not anti-government. None of these guys were. They were very pro-government, but they were pro-constitutionally limited government. And Lavoie had a plan that he was already in the middle of executing to help Western ranching families unplug from the BLM system and from their jurisdiction. And so he had meetings set up all over the West, hundreds of meetings that were that were set up and scheduled. And for this, this is the prevailing theory of why he was assassinated. Um, he was heading with a convoy away from the refuge to a neighboring county to meet with a sheriff who had invited them there and had offered them protection as long as they came unarmed. And so Lavoie was unarmed as were as was everyone else. 
they were uh, in, in a van. Lavoie was driving and there were women and children in the van as well as men. And they were stopped by a by a police officer uh, on the road. And Lavoie um, feared for his life and, you know, shouted to the to the officer that he was heading to see the sheriff and that the sheriff had invited him there. And the, the cops started shooting at the van and shot out the rearview mirrors on the sides of the of the vehicle. And so because they were being shot at, of course, I mean, what would you do? So he took off and, uh, you know, at, at great speeds and about a mile and a half up the road. Federal agents had set up an illegal kill stop, and a kill stop is is when you're coming around a, a, a turn where there's no um, way to see the barricade coming. And Lavoie had a, a split second decision to make: he could plow into these officers and kill them all, and the people in his van, or he could, he could rear, veer off to the to the left into a snowbank, and that's what he did. Uh, the officers immediately started shooting at the at the vehicle, so he got out and drew their fire away from the people in the vehicle. And they and he was unarmed and they shot him nine times. And then the last shot was uh, was was a headshot and blew his head off uh, and he died in the snow. And, and th- this was uh, this, this was a political assassination. There's no doubt in my mind. And most people who are sympathetic to this and, and have researched it and have seen the footage because there's there was aerial drone footage. So, so they, they they planned this in advance. Uh, and, and, and there was there's very clear aerial footage, but there's also footage that was released from within the vehicle that that the folks that were inside the vehicle were, were taking as they feared for their lives. And you can clearly see uh, the events that unfolded and, and he was he was targeted and he was killed. Um, and that night I was uh, I was getting information because I knew a lot of people that were there uh, and I was getting firsthand information and I was disseminating it on social media as as clearly and as and as accurately as I could Tom and but I was full of the of just dark emotions uh, yeah, I mean you know me I'm a pretty happy laid back kind of guy but I was uh, I was so angry and so full of rage and fear and all these dark dark feelings and around one o'clock in the morning I was just exhausted and emotionally and physically I, I can't explain it all I can tell you is it was like the Holy Spirit came into my house and hit me like a wind and just completely washed all that out. It was it was like it had never happened. And I felt happy and I felt relaxed and just joyful. And then what I can equate to, it sounded like a bubble popped over my head. It was like just bloop. And as soon as that happened, I heard a voice say, he was a man who loved to walk the land. So he would turn his cheek, but also take a stand. And I said, okay. And so I, I had the computer open in my lap. So I just started typing those words and the floodgates just opened as they tend to do and with me. <laughs> and, uh, and I wrote this, this song and the first verse and the third verse and the choruses are all in the third person telling the story of this man. But the second verse and the bridge of the song are all in the first person. So it's just kind of interesting. If you analyze the song, it's almost like Someone is telling the story of Lavoie's life, but then it's Lavoie is telling the story in his own words in the middle of the song. The next night, this was on the 26th. This was Monday night. The next night, my wife Mary filmed me on my couch uh, singing the song. And we, we uploaded it around midnight on Tuesday night. And the next morning, it had about 10,000 views between midnight and like 8 a.m. <laughs> so we knew, I knew we had really something special here. And Within two days, I got a phone call from Lavoie's daughter, uh, Ariana, and she says to me, I know you didn't know my dad, but you captured him perfectly. 
And we are all sitting here at the ranch holding each other and crying and mourning him. And we saw your song and we've listened to it about 30 times. And every time someone new comes into the house to be with us, we we started over from the beginning and play it again. That's amazing. And she said, I know. I That's what I thought. And she says, this is the kicker. She says, I, I want you to know that this song is what's giving us hope right now, that our dad's death is not in vain and that he won't be forgotten. And, you know, people have a lot of different motivations for doing what they do. And musicians always have a lot of personal motivations. I can't think, I, I literally cannot imagine a more worthwhile effect for a song to have or, or, or a, a more worthwhile cause to offer comfort and, and repose in a time of great mourning and fear and doubt for a family. And, and this was a gift from God, you know, and, and, but I, I was a very happy and willing participant in it. And I, it just, it just blew me away. Now I've seen videos of you performing the song from the beginning of 2016. And yet we're talking today because you've just released the song. Is this the first time you've recorded it and officially released it? Yes, it is. So I've been playing it just as a, as a cowboy ballad at my shows. It's it's really probably since 2016, it's been the number one requested song at all my shows. I mean, I don't think I've played one show without playing it because everyone always wants to hear that particular song. And it's going to be, I was approached by the Center for Self-Governance. Uh, they're creating a documentary series, a four-part series called Dead Man Talking. And it's about Lavoie Finicum and about the, the the refuge and about this whole situation, this entire story I just unfolded. It's about all of that. And they wanted the song for uh, episode three of, of the four-part series. And th- they paid me to you know go get it recorded and and, and and it turned out better than I could ever have hoped. Uh, I, I worked with a with a studio up here in Washington, where I live, uh, at, at Good Music Studios with Lonnie Good, and Lonnie and I just recorded the vocals and the rhythm guitar, which is the which is an, one of the there's two versions of the song, and one of them is just me and the guitar, which is the the version that everyone knows. But then we sent it to uh, a producer friend in Nashville named Evan Sealing. And Evan took this song and just made it into a country western hit. <laughs> I mean, it just it blows my mind what he was able to do with it. And I, I mean, I I told him my ideas, what I wanted. I wanted it to be a cowboy ballad in the vein of Gene Autry and Roy Rogers, but with some modern feel, modern sensibilities. And he really just uh, just made it into a, a wonderful production. I, I couldn't be happier. I always swore, Tom, it's so funny. I always swore to my wife, I would never go country. It would never happen, you know, because I'm a rock and roll guy. You know, I go, I do the folk music thing, some Southern rock. You know, I like Leonard Skinner and all that, but I would never go country. And here I am as country as country could possibly be. But it, but it, it lends itself to that. That, that's, that is the, the, the feel of it. And, and that's the culture of the message of the song. And it really is a beautiful testament to a man's life who who believed in this country, who believed in our system of laws, who who believed in God and who who believed in those values and paid the ultimate price. I mean, he he was really trying to wake people up. And I I promised his wife Jeanette, who I've become friends with and, and I'm friends with with uh, many of their adult children. You know, I promised them all that I would never stop playing the song. And because I, I I felt like this was something that I had been called to do by the Lord. And 
that had been, it was a task that had been given to me was to spread the word about this and to make sure that new generations know the name of Lavoie Finnicum and know what happened, that our government assassinated an unarmed man in cold blood with his hands up in the air. Now, it's not the first time it's happened, of course, you know, but it, it was it, it, it was for it was politically motivated and it has just been swept under the rug. And we we are refusing to, to allow that to happen. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it, it really turned out amazing and it's going to be in the film and I've just released it worldwide and it's on iTunes. Uh, if you just go in and search for Jordan Page, you'll see The Ballad of Lavoie Finnicum. It's on Amazon, on Google Play. Uh, if you go to cdbaby.com, that's my distributor. You can get it directly there. You mentioned earlier, Tom, that uh, I was splitting the, the revenue from this. So I committed uh, to to donating 50% of the proceeds from the song directly to Jeanette Finnicum, LaVoy's widow, and to their family, um, to, to support their family financially, but also to help her with the federal court case that is that has ensued that she is and their family have filed a class action lawsuit against the federal government for a, a wrongful death suit. And they're burning through a lot of money uh, for, in, in legal fees. And so my hope is that the, the sales generator from the sale of this song will uh, will help her uh, indefinitely. Well, why don't we go ahead and play the song right now and then we'll resume our conversation. That sounds great. He was a man who loved to walk the land Turn his cheek but also take a stand when his conviction called he followed what he felt was right well, there's no telling just what time will bring you can live for nothing or for everything but when the pushes come to shove and tell me will you fight
There is the song. We're going to link to it at tomwoods.com slash 1294. I'll have links to ways to get the song, the same links that Jordan just mentioned, and you can take your pick. So that'll all be available at tomwoods.com slash 1294. I'm sure you all enjoyed that as much as I did. And I wonder, uh, in having listened to it, if we can continue the story a bit, because I think the name most people associate with that time is the name Bundy. That, that's the name that, that comes to mind. And um, there were people who were imprisoned over precisely these sorts of issues. And then what wound up happening with them? Did they Are, are they going to be serving 50 years in prison? Or w- what, in fact, did turn out? Uh, how did things turn out for them? Well, they, they had a hard run of it, Tom. Uh, the Bundys and, and their... Um and their comrades were all were on prison for two years uh, without trial. And they were at, at every turn, um, at, at every hearing, they, they were stonewalled and, and evidence, exculpatory evidence was omitted. But in the end, they were exonerated this year. So how so about that? Two, so they spent two yeah. years and they're exonerated. Yeah, they've they've been exonerated. They're 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 out. Um there may I think there are a, a small handful of of people that were there that were that were given separate charges for for other things. I mean, the the feds will will find any charge they can to try to make their case, you know, even if it's completely dishonest and they withhold evidence that would exonerate people, as they've done many times before. But in in the case of the Bundys, they were they were all released and and have been exonerated. Uh, I just spoke with Ammon uh, yesterday, actually. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've known each other for several years and he and his family are very enthusiastic about the song and they're helping me to promote it, uh, to their base, which is pretty substantial. 
and you know the there, there there's a there's a handful of people that are still in prison but we're you know the community is at large is working to to get them out but but the vast majority of the folks that were at Malheur have been exonerated and they were they were treated horribly in prison they were they were isolated they were starved they were beaten a lot of uh, psychological torture was done to them by the prison system in, in order to try to break them but these are men and women of great faith and they they held it together as best as they could, and they were they were delivered from bondage. I mean, it really is an amazing story, and I encourage people to to do research about it. There is a website for the Finicums, which is uh, one cowboysstandforfreedom.com, and that has lots of information about Lavoie. It has his book, uh, which is an incredible book. It's called Only by Blood and Suffering. It's an amazing book. It's a fiction uh, novel that really speaks to what's happening in the country today with the, the with the degradation of our civil liberties and just the, the breakdown of society and and in, in, you know encroaching over overreaching government. It's a beautiful story. A beautiful book. You, you can learn a lot about Lavoie there. And you know, it's funny, Tom. So many people have have such skewed view of this issue because of the way the media portrayed it. But when you really get down into it. I mean, it, it's it's no brainers. These guys love their country. They they love their their fellow Americans, and the, even the the people that were ridiculing them and 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 wishing them harm, they were fighting for their freedom too. That, that that's where the line, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a cowboy stand for freedom. You know, why do why do we watch these cowboys? Why why do we uh, watch them with hearts of stone? <laughs> you know, and, and during this whole whole time period, there was so much animosity and hatred and just vitriolic language against these guys and memes that, that were made to ridicule them and their and their suffering and what they were going through. And it, it amazed me that that Americans could be so cold hearted towards people that were standing up for their constitutional rights. I mean the, the Bill of Rights are were not just come up out of thin air. These were all things that government used to do to us. There's a reason there's a first amendment, you know, because there wasn't free speech at one time. There's a reason there's a second amendment, you know, and, and people have largely forgotten their history, uh, you know, and which, which is, you know, evidenced by the culture that we have today. And, and these guys came from a very, you know, traditional way of thinking and, and a, a constitutional way of thinking, and that's what they were fighting for. But the Bundys have been released, and the Hammonds have been exo- have been pardoned by by the president. And uh, you know, so, so in the end, th- these people were vindicated, but they were put through so much suffering because they dared challenge the state. And you know, it seems to me, as I think back on these events, that as you say the people involved were portrayed as crazy and they deserved what happened to them and all the rest of it. But it seems that the same people who couldn't say enough about the wickedness of these folks uh, said almost nothing about their exoneration. It's like crickets. No, very, very little. In fact, I think relatively few Americans are probably even aware of it. And, and there's always an agenda behind that. And and we all know, you know, that, that, Ninety percent of all media is controlled by six corporations who have vested interests in a, a certain agenda and a certain status quo. And so you're not going to hear that the Bundys were exonerated, except if you're in that network and you and, and you deliberately seek out that information. I mean, mo- most of the information out there that would blow people's minds and would would start an armed revolution in this country is readily available to the public. You know, the folks in charge don't they don't hide what they're doing that that much. It's all there if if, if a person cares to know, but you know the, the easiest way to deprive people of their rights is to never teach them they had them in the first place, Tom. And so, and and that's really you know what uh, to to me what public education is really all about. 
it's it's about creating a, a nation of subservient slaves rather than uh, patriots and and thinking you know people who who will challenge the things that are wrong when they see them. Um, you know, docility is really the the name of the game here, and and most people are just kind of floating along and and just trying to get by, and they're not they're not paying attention. And I used to be one of those people, so I can't judge them that harshly. You know, I used to be one of those people until until I woke up, until I had a, 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 an emotional and spiritual reaction to the information, and 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 felt compelled to to get involved and compelled to speak out. And I've been speaking out, you know, since two, the end of two thousand six. And this is this is my life, and and I'm grateful for it. But it does require, and I, I'm sure you would agree with me, like knowing the truth and 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 having done your homework. It, it does require a lot of you personally. You, you you can't know the truth, call yourself a moral person, and not do anything about it. At, at the very least, you can open your mouth and speak, you know. And, and uh, so and so that that and that's where I am. And and but these guys, you know, they they put their bodies on the levers and the gears of the machine, as the saying goes. And they went a lot farther than I've ever. I've ever gone, you know, I, and and I'm I don't know that I, you know, am ready to to do something like that, you know, with with, you know, I've got you know seven children I'm trying to raise and trying to 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 teach and 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 point in a good direction and, you know, like that's not that's not what I've been called to do yet, you know, I've I've been called to use my my talents and gifts to to share a message and to and to you know, educate people with, 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 uh, with love and with a non-threatening form of communication, which is music. Folks, let me take just a second to say a word for my all-time favorite sponsor, and that is Skillshare. Skillshare is the very embodiment of the opportunities the internet makes possible. One membership gets you access to over 24,000 classes where you can learn the skills you need to distinguish yourself at your job, build a side hustle, or heck, even a full-blown business. You can't believe how wide the scope of courses is, from design to business to technology to photography to film and writing. And then within technology, things like SEO or 3D printing or programming graphics or mobile app design or Shopify, the platform you use to create online stores. Almost anything you could want to learn, learn it at Skillshare. Well, my listeners are getting an amazing deal. Two months of access to all 24,000 classes for just 99 cents. That's two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. How do you get that? Go to Skillshare.com slash Woods right now. That's Skillshare.com slash Woods. Well, the song is called The Ballad of Lavoie Fenicum. It's available at TomWoods.com slash 1294. That's where I put all the links that Jordan mentioned. We're going to have them right up there on that page. But before we wrap up for today, you and I got to know each other on the road, so to speak. Uh, we were always traveling around, you singing, me speaking. So uh, before we part, I'm just curious, given that we do not as much of that in our middle age as we did in our youth, I'm just curious about what you've been up to recently. Well, recently, the most recent uh, big show that I did was the Walkaway March in Washington, D.C. Uh, on October 27th. And that was really kind of an eye-opening thing for me because, you know, you know, I haven't been like a huge uh, Trump supporter. Um, I, I come from the libertarian slash voluntarist um, point of view, and I, I don't I don't support you know, the violence of the state in, in any way, shape or form. And, uh, and I just kind of felt like, like we were just getting more of the same. And I, I became aware of the walkaway movement uh, a few months ago 
uh, when I when I started seeing these videos popping up everywhere. And the walkaway movement is essentially former leftists, former Democrats realizing that the leftist culture and you know it is being overrun with communists and socialists and and has become really a culture of death and a, a culture that that you know fights vigorously for the you know right to murder babies and 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 they're just sick of it there's there's they're sick of the craziness they're sick of the they're sick of antifa they're 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 tired of of being associated with that and they don't believe that you know i mean liberalism that didn't used to mean what it means now and you know a, a lot of a lot of people that i would that i would call you know leftists you know they really have good hearts and 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 they we just have different ways of thinking about how to achieve the desired results you know and and these people have figured that out and they figured out that uh, that that the left is not where they belong and they're walking away they're saying this is not me and it was started by a man named Brandon Straka uh, who um, just came to this conclusion, made a video, it went mega viral and inspired thousands of other walkaway videos. And they did a, a huge march in DC. And a friend of mine uh, was one of the co-organizers and I called her up and I said, I think I should be at this. And she says, I think you should too. And that very night that she booked me to perform at it, uh, I was given another gift, another late night song gift of a song called Walk Away. And I'm going to be recording that song uh, this coming year and and letting the Walk Away movement uh, use it for their PR stuff and their their campaigns. Um, you know, everything's in God's timing. And and we had uh, we had a really crummy day that day. It, it was it was freezing cold and pouring rain. Uh, there was no cover over the stage that I played at, and I was soaking wet. There were puddles on my guitar and puddles on my floor pedals, but uh, but I rocked out for about 5,000 people with umbrellas, and we just had a blast. And the, the day cleared up as we began to march, and it all turned out really amazing. And and there were there were two stages, uh, one at the beginning of the march and one at the end, and. And I was the first person that they got to meet. I was the very first person on the stage, and I played for an, over, over an hour and got to introduce these folks to the principles of liberty. You know, I got, I got to give them the libertarian perspective before before they heard anybody else. And, and it was it was really uh, just a really amazing conglomeration of, of of a wide range of people. I mean, there were conservatives, there were you know there were there were you know gay folks, straight folks. There were there was a bunch of transgender folks. All these people figuring out that. The left, the modern left does not define me. I am not these people and I reject being associated with these people and I'm going, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm over here like, you know, come over, come, come to the, come to the center where the libertarians are, <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, that's but the real thing is when they say we're going to go somewhere else. Well, Chief, come to this far. It's very, very hard to get people to move anywhere. It really does matter where you wind up because if you're just going to, if you're just going to turn into some kind of a middle of the road GOP person, you're just going to make me gouge my eyes out. There has to be a happier <laughs> ending to that story. Well, what I, what I found was it was, it was far less about like Trump worship than it was about an ideological paradigm shift for most of these people. I would say 85 to 90% is, is, is really what it was about. And, and the, a lot of these folks are just discovering you know what what they what they really believe i mean i i was a walk away person but i did it you know in 2006 i mean i was raised in a democratic household and i was you know raised with fairly liberal views and you know i i walked away from all that and so did my wife i mean she was raised in an ultra ultra liberal uh, 
you know, views. And you know, she's she's extremely libertarian now. So we walked away, and I and I don't think it was about walking away just to to go over to the right to the to the Republican Party. It it it, it wasn't walking necessarily toward anything specific, but walking away from where they were and and wherever that wherever these folks end up and there's and there's i think there's like a few million of them that have based, that have been part of this campaign nationally and wherever they end up is where is where they're they're led and and so and i think that's that's why i was there was to lead them toward the fundamental principles of liberty and have them think for themselves and not just jump into another camp but really examine the situation and and it was it was an amazing day and i i really just felt very blessed to be there and uh, and i'm I'm hopeful and and and, uh, and optimistic that I'll be doing some more events with those guys. Well, I know there are some people. I have people who are of two minds. On the one hand, they'll say, "Woods, you, you talk to a lot of libertarians on your show. You got to talk to some non-libertarians." Okay, so then I have some non-libertarians on. They say, "What are you talking to that guy for? He's not a libertarian." So, <laughs> well, you know, you can't you can't please him, Tom. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, whereas the the great silent majority of listeners say, "Oh, good, this will be another you know another good episode." It doesn't occur to them to say stuff like that. But then in your case, I could easily see people saying, "Oh, what is Jordan Page doing there? Doesn't he know that if he is there, he should get out his little stern you know lecture book and be pointing at everybody angrily?" Uh, I think the 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 way I, I I evaluate situations like this is I just ask a simple question. Would the world be a better place if I did not attend this event? And I don't think it, it, the world would be a better place if Jordan Page had stayed home from that event. That That is my criterion. Would the world be a better place if you had not gone? No. The world is a marginally better place because you did go. That's, that is what it boils down to. It's better to have Jordan Page's voice there than not to have it there. That's it. End of discussion. So uh, now on the other hand, you and I live now – I don't necessarily want to reveal where you live – but let's just say we don't exactly live next door to each other these days. Right, so we're on op- opposite ends. <laughs> okay, we really – well, at least say that. We are on opposite ends of the country. So I do hope there's a possibility that for some reason that I cannot foresee now, I will have an opportunity to visit with uh, Jordan Page at some point in the future. Sometime before the Libertarian Convention of 2020, there has to be some opportunity to see Jordan Page. I don't know what that's going to be, but – Doggone it, it seems to happen once in a great while, and I, I hope it will materialize. But in the meantime, everybody go get the song. For heaven's sake, all the cool libertarians already have it, and you know libertarians. We all have to do the cool thing, right? So to, I, I have no cool people in my audience at all. And, and by the way, this actually reminds us of a funny just a music reference, but I, I was one great thing about YouTube is that all these concert videos that you would never have had access to before that people just upload – you know, that they just happen to have in their private stash that they probably, their bootlegs, whatever. You get to view all of them. So I was watching a uh, a video, I think it was Genesis touring in the late 80s. Nice. And, and Phil Collins was saying, all right, I want everybody to put, I want you to all put your arms up in the air and I want you to, you know, make this funny noise, whatever. And he says, uh, he says, now don't worry about, uh, you know, not being cool doing this. No cool people at a Genesis concert. No cool people here. And I, I loved that that <laughs> remark. He knows they're no – it's all nerds. They're no cool people at a Genesis concert. But anyway, my point we, we is – We make our own cool, Tom. That's right. And our own cool <laughs> is the Ballad of Lavoy Finnicum, which you can get through tomwoods.com slash 1294 through any of the um, links that, that you prefer there. Well, thanks, Jordan, for this and um, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for having me on, Tom. I appreciate it.
All right, folks, just a quick reminder about my sister podcast, Contra Krugman, that Bob Murphy and I host every week. We take a Paul Krugman column, and we take it apart, and we have a great time doing it. So you can check that out over at ContraKrugman.com. And Bob is out with a brand-new book with me as the narrator of the audiobook version, and it's called Contra Krugman, Smashing the Errors of America's Most Famous Keynesian. It is superb, outstanding. It's unbelievable how much you'll learn in so many different areas from, you know, austerity and budgets to business cycles and booms and busts and the Fed and all kinds of stuff is all in there. So definitely check that out at ContraKrugmanBook.com and I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free and we'll see you next time.